Hello and welcome to another episode of The Remake Mistake, brought to you by WolfbaneBlooms.com. In this podcast, we're going to take a look at an original horror movie and its remake in order to answer two questions. First, does the remake stand up to the original? And second, should it have been remade at all? Or was this remake a mistake? Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. All right, in this very special episode, we're going to be taking a look at 1932's The Mummy, as well as the brand new 2017 uh, remake, I guess you could say, uh, also called The Mummy, starring Tom Cruise. Uh, I am Eric, and with me, as always, is Mike. I would not say it's a remake. Anymore. Okay. Well, I said it's, it's loosely. It's more just a reboot. It's a re- reboot. reimagining. Yeah. Um, this is a special episode in that all of our uh, episodes obviously contain spoilers, but I feel the need to present an official spoiler warning at the beginning of this since the movie uh, did just come out this weekend. We are going to be talking about everything that happens in the brand new Mummy movie, so yeah. be warned. Um, yeah, we literally just got out of the theater about an hour ago, so we are feeling fresh on the Mummy. Yeah. And I just watched, I rewatched the Boris Karloff 1932 one uh, this morning. So I am just full of mummy right now. I am, I am uh, just oozing mummy. Yeah, it's terrific. <laughs> we should also mention, though, that we will be talking not as in-depth about the 1999 mummy remake. Uh, yes. Which is more aptly a remake than... Sure. Surprisingly more a remake. Yeah. Considering how they've been touting this new one as a direct remake of the Boris Karloff film. Um, after having seen them, the Brendan Fraser one is Woodmore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of the word I'm looking for at all. More aptly. <laughs> yeah, aptly, sure. More yeah. aptly be called a remake. Yeah. And considering that I didn't see anything but from the original one, but there might have been something hidden in there, but the book from... The 99 one is clearly visible and made a point to be looked at. Yeah, like they zoom in on the book. Yeah. As if to say, hey, remember this? Yeah. Well, whatever. Interesting choice. Yeah. Um, for those of you not following along, the 2017 Mummy is um, doing very poorly right now in terms of critical and viewer response. Yeah, it sits at 17%. 17%. Which could change. It is opening weekend. Yeah, I think if anything, it's just going to continue to go downhill. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I didn't know if you meant that it could, no, it could I rise. No, ho- I have hopes for it, but I don't think so. Yeah, um, and I'll just say, you know, this is early in the game for this, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, <laughs> and I, um, I'm kind of surprised at the, the hate pointed at it after having seen it. Um, I've spent some time over the past couple of days reading a plethora of extremely negative reviews about this movie, and I, I don't get it. I don't understand. No. I don't understand where all the hate's coming from. I think I have two theories, vague theories, loose theories on this. One is that they have that tied universe in with it, the dark universe, and this is the first movie. So immediately they jumped to comparing it to Marvel, who started unbelievably fantastic out of the gate. And 
maybe they're trying to look for something that feels like a Marvel movie. Also, and this goes for most of the other ones, like any of these, like the Wolfman remake, where it's something that people have for their entire life, because this is 85 years old, some people have held dear to them, and now they're doing something different with it, so they may see that as a, a slight against God. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right that um, what people are thinking they're getting into and what they're um, a, you know what they're expecting their expectation of this movie um, is what's leading everyone to hate it. I think people don't know what to expect because this was it was everything that I expected it to be going in and and it met those expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of talked about this when we left the theater, but I think it, it does a, the new one does a perfect job of matching the atmosphere of the original, mm-hmm. but for a modern audience. I mean, you know, it, it, it does a substantially better job of being a horror movie than the 1999 film did. Um, yeah. But it, it's engaging in a way that the 1932 one is not. Yeah. So it's the best of both worlds. And I felt the same way about um, the Benicio Del Toro Wolfman remake, which we talked about in our first episode. Um, another film that was kind of critically panned um, that I thought did a wonderful job uh, bridging the gap between classic, you know, 40s horror and modern modern audiences. Yeah, like this one took, the 2017 Mummy took what worked for 99 Mummy in 32 and pulled what was appropriate that worked and put it, blended them very nicely together. Yeah. I mean, I was, um, I don't want to say surprised, but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie. It actually gave me rejuvenated hope for the rest of the dark universe. Yeah, it actually excited me. Because up until now, every with every article that I read, it was kind of just like chipping away at my my hopes and dreams for what the dark universe could become. Yeah, it was very upsetting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's kind of a good overview, I think. Yeah. Just give a quick review. Yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, the original 1932 Mummy, uh, starring, of course, Boris Karloff uh, in his, I think, second, you know, major film role yeah it was I mean he was a relative after yeah he was relatively unknown in Frankenstein and this was the following year yeah where they just build him as Karloff yeah uh, like in 90 foot letters outside theaters yeah he had he had made such a name for himself with Frankenstein that all they had to say was his last name yeah it's pretty incredible absolutely Um, this movie sits at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes Um, It's it's extremely high I feel like this this universally loved. Um, <laughs> Mike doesn't love this movie. I do not. The, <laughs> the director of this movie was uh, previously the cinematographer for Dracula and Metropolis. Among a few other things. Yeah, so like he knows what things. he's doing, Yeah, for sure. Um, and this movie is just over an hour. It's about an hour and 13 minutes, so mm-hmm. right around uh, the proper length for that time, but... Yeah, where all the other ones sit. Yeah. And that's compared to the one 2017 Mummy, which comes in just under two hours. So there's a lot more substance. Uh, and that it they does have to feel like with. it sometimes. Yeah. Same thing with the 99, which is two hours and mm. actually might just be two hours. Yeah. So, so. Honestly, I do miss the days of um, 
movies that didn't have to be two and a half hours long. I yeah, feel but like if they're going to charge that much money, well, you want to sit through a little bit longer of a movie. That's fair. I just, I'm so tired of every movie I put on being like two and a half hours. Fair. just want to watch a nice 90-minute movie. That's a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, for some sure. Some of them. Not yeah. cars. Um, all right, so just briefly talk about some of the main points in The Mummy. I love The the Mummy. It's one of my favorite um, classic universal horror movies. Um, I even put it above probably Dracula and Frankenstein. See, you're 100% wrong with Frankenstein, <laughs> though. Because Frankenstein is like their benchmark. Because Considering how well it did and how universally loved it was, that it threw Karloff into, you know, superstardom, mm-hmm. whereas this one did not do nearly as well. No, I know. But, I mean, I, I think I... would I, put it above Dracula, though. I have a tendency towards the later ones anyway. Like, my favorites are The Invisible Man and The Wolf Man. Yeah. I well, mean... My, I would say those are mine, too, but... I think the top three, I'd put Frankenstein in there. And you would obviously put The Mummy. Yeah, I do like The Mummy. Anyway, uh, I think that this this movie has probably one of the best opening sequences of any of the yeah. universal horror movies. Um, extremely iconic opening. Um, I mean, the first ten minutes of this movie are incredible. Uh, it opens with three men finding a mummy. And then we get a bunch of basic exposition about the film. They find this cursed box Mm -hmm. cursed to kill anybody that opens it contains the scroll uh that you know this resurrection passage on the scroll scroll of thoth or thoth or something like that thoth or thoth yeah thoth or thoth Thoth. anyway um well the well two of the guys are outside talking about why they shouldn't open it the third guy opens it (laughs) (laughs) and reads the passage awakening the, the mummy um which it's i mean this scene because you know, I don't like the mummy that much. But this scene, if the whole movie would have been similar to this scene, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Because, like everything I've seen or read about this movie is how much restraint it took for them. Because the only time you get a real good view of the mummy, like you see most of the mummy, otherwise just you know close-ups of his face or his hand. But you see almost the full body. He's in the background, out of focus, while they're talking about the box and given the exposition right which is very interesting because there's the main star of the whole thing just kind of hidden away in the back yeah and it, like you said it's really this opening sequence is the only sequence in the movie where boris karloff is done up as a mummy yeah otherwise he's just uh he's just a, a dude a wrinkly, wrinkly dude. fez wearing old man yeah three thousand years old yeah um and the, the makeup in the whole movie both mummy and wrinkly old man makeup mm-hmm. is done by jack pierce um so you know it sets a sets the bar of phenomenal makeup right out of the gate yeah. Um, but yeah like like you mentioned the restraint to not show more of that incredible Jack Pierce makeup is, is great yeah and I think the film suffers a little bit for not expanding on that scene yeah I mean I don't know at least for me yeah I want to see I'm the first time I saw it I was greatly disappointed because I wanted to see a mummy I think the only time I'd really seen a mummy was probably either with the three stooges or Abbott and Costello sure where it's a mummy yeah or yeah Scooby-Doo episode yeah yeah I wasn't allowed to watch it <laughs> talking dogs is sin yeah <laughs> all right 10 years later um a man named Ardeth Bay shows up which is just Boris Karloff 
wrinkly Boris Karloff. And one other thing to add to the makeup thing here, which is very interesting, is that they were saying that this is like one of the only movies of the big classics where it's mostly just his face. Yeah. Like you get the clearest picture of Boris Karloff. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not wearing any like crazy prosthetics or anything. It's just mm-hmm. a very light application on his face. And he gets to actually talk in his voice. Yeah. Yeah. Which he has a phenomenal oh, voice. He's got one of the best voices in cinema. Yeah. Good stuff. Anyway, um, so now one of the guys who was in that original scene and his son, um, they I guess run this museum, the British Museum in Cairo. Yeah. Um, so there are there are kind of our two leads. You've got the the older guy and then his son. His son is named Frank, um, Frank Wemple, in fact. Um, anyway, Ardith Bay shows up and he says, "Hey, I know where this princess's tomb is. You should go dig it up." Obviously, he's got his own agenda in mind. Ulterior motives. There you go. The princess that I always have trouble pronouncing her name, Anxanamen. Anxanamen. Princess Anxanamen. Mm. Um, anyway, so they go, they recover the artifacts, they bring them to the Cairo Museum, and then we're kind of in it. This is kind of the the heart of the movie. Um, the only character we haven't been introduced to is Helen, who Mike hates Helen. I don't like her acting. I think it's just, I don't know, I feel like she's at times either overacting or way too subtle. There's no nice, you know, even ground in there. No even ground for Helen. Well, we also, have we met at this point uh, Dr. Not Van Helsing? (laughs) Dr. Van Helsing. Yeah, Edward Van Sloan is in this movie. He plays Dr. Mueller. And, uh, yeah, he's one of the guys in the beginning, too. Kind of a good luck charm for universal horror at this point. Yeah, he, um, what is his role in this movie? He, like, he's an expert of a cult or something. He's a doctor. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I think they bring him in because he's an expert of a cult. Yeah, on maybe all the ancient Egyptian stuff. Because he can read it, can he? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sure, he can read it. I'd like to point out at at this moment that every time I watch the 1932 mummy and it ends i immediately forget everything that just happened yeah i mean that's fair because i'm trying to comprehend what happened and i'm like oh this this movie does have an uncanny way of having a ton of things happening and yet nothing happening at the same time that's because there's nothing in the movie that like except the opening you know scene and maybe the scenes where it's just a uh, close-up of Karloff's glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like there's no hook in there to pull you in there and to keep you keeping your mind. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it should be noted that this movie has tons of parallels to Dracula. Oh, man. Um, it was the same screenwriter, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's the cinematographer from Dracula, certainly, that directed it, but... Um, yeah, I think they just took a lot of story cues. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the first... Uh, universal horror movie not to be adap- adapted from That's true. a work of literature. Um, Out of the, the previous two? Well, if you count Hunchback and Phantom as well. Yeah, those are hard because I'm... Dracula, really Frankenstein. Yeah, I know. So this one was the first one where they were creating an entirely original screenplay for the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think you can tell that they borrowed a lot of notes um, from Dracula. It doesn't help that Van Helsing's in it. What's the actor's name? Edward Van Sloan. I will not remember that. That's okay. You don't have to. Okay, good. 
Um, all right. So anyway, we meet Helen. Um, turns out that Helen is a reincarnated version of Princess Anxanamen. Mm-hmm. Just so happens that she's chilling out in Cairo at the time that Ardith Bay arrives. Um, so <laughs> Ardith is at the museum with Princess Anxanamen's sarcophagus, and he starts calling to her, and Helen enters a trance and heads over to the museum because she is Princess Oxenamon. Much like Dracula would. Much like Dracula. Um, There isn't really much, um, if you think of like traditional monster violence or anything of that type in this movie, I think... There's barely a monster. Well, I mean, I think... Who's the only person that gets killed is the guard, right? No, there are a couple of guys. The guard does, the old man by the fire. The old man by the fire. He's trying to burn the... Parchment. Oh yeah, and he he chants him into a heart heart attack. attack. (laughs) And then maybe the only time I've ever seen this, a a piece of bad acting on Karloff's part, because he, like the old man dies, and then because Karloff's singing through a pool of water, and he's like just reaching out over the pool of water, and then it stops, and he dies, and then Karloff like folds into himself, (laughs) like he puts his hands on it and just goes ugh. Huh. And I thought, whoa, that's out of character for a fairly good actor. Sure. That's interesting. I don't know if I even remember that. I do because it stuck out like a sore thumb. Fair enough. I guess I do remember some things from the movie. There you go. You remember the negative things. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So um, now they go and find the scroll, this um, this resurrection scroll at uh-huh. the museum and um, the Wemples, uh, the old guy and the son, they come and they take the scroll, and Ardith Bay shows up to get it. Uh, so he goes to their house, he wants it back. Um, and this is where we get a scene that's almost identical to a scene from Dracula, where mm-hmm. Van Sloan is um, confronting Ardith Bay, saying, like, we know who you are. Um, I, I just, it, it feels like the exact same scene to me. Which, we talked about this earlier, how Ardith Bay really just... He has no plan, I guess. Like, he goes there saying, oh, I'm here. Oh, you must have a scroll. He's like, no, it's somewhere else. Yeah. Because we know who you are. And he's like, no, I'm not that guy. He's like, are you sure? And he's like, I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) He immediately admits he's the mummy. Yeah, he he just didn't want to have any of it, so. Yeah. And then he tries to curse the guy. He just starts chanting at him. Which takes a lot of balls to do that. Can't Does he have to be saying it out loud? Can he just do it in his head? I don't know the rules of the curse. He would have gotten away with it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, now everybody knows everything. Um, Papa Wemple tries to burn the scroll. Is Helen aware of who she is yet? No. Okay, so she's the only one kept in the dark. Uh, They try to burn the scroll. As we mentioned earlier, Ardeth kind of chants him into a heart attack. Yeah. He does. Um, and then Helen kind of sneaks out. She feels a calling to him, and she goes and visits him. And mm-hmm. this is where we get a flashback. Um, yeah, where she he explains. Yeah, he, we get the whole backstory explained. And what's interesting to note is that this whole sequence is filmed like a silent movie. There's no dialogue. Everything's kind of, um, like, acted out. There's a lot of, like, full-body acting, I guess, in yeah. the sequence. There's, like, you know, a lot of um, musical cues. It's an interesting sequence. It's one of the more, I would say, maybe the most interesting part of this movie. Yeah. Because that's a pretty horrible thing that happens. Yeah. So the backstory to this one, which is important because we'll talk about the backstories given in the other ones as well. Yeah. Um, but 
the backstory is Princess Anxanamen dies. Um, and Emotep, being in love with her, steals this resurrection scroll, trying to bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. But that is against the rules. That's a sin. So he's condemned to the nameless death. Uh, you know, which is being mummified alive, buried alive. Um, and I mean, that's it. So and then, his guards get mummified too, don't they? Yeah. Well, no, they kill the guards. They, okay. Maybe I'm thinking they, of... Yeah, they kill the priests and then they kill the guards and then, I don't know, everybody dies. Yeah, because I think they might also get mummified, but like not buried alive. I don't know. Um, and that's it for the flashback. There's some sort of uh, Party commotion up? outside. Yeah. Um, so Helen then, now subconsciously knowing the hist- her history, she returns home and she starts to get sicker. This scene also kind of reminds me of Dracula. Yeah. Maybe not even the movie. I'm having trouble remembering the Lugosi movie, but in the novel, um, you know, Mina Harker just gets like sicker and sicker and sicker. I don't think they play that up as much in the movie. In the movie, yeah. Either way, reminded me of the of like the novel Dracula at least. Um, he, you know, Arthur still is calling to her and calling to her, and she eventually meets him. And then this is the big finale of the movie. He tries to do the resurrection procedure on her. She finally realizes who she is. She realizes that she's Princess Anxanamen, you know, reincarnated. And she's like, "Oh man, I don't want to do this. This seems terrible." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you know, I want to, I want to stay in this body. I don't want to. Uh, there's a guy like prepping a vat of acid or something to drop her into, and she's like, Nah, man. Yeah, the Nubian, as she's referred to. Yeah, she's like, this looks like a, like a terrible thing. So, um, as she's she's kind of fighting it, um, she she finds a statue of Isis and pleads to Isis the to God. yeah to stop this from happening. The statue kind of just like moves its arm a little bit. Holds up a key. Yeah, and then I don't think it's a key. Key ring. It's an onk or whatever. <laughs> it, isn't it looks like a key ring. Jesus Christ! Uh, and then we see in a really cool, um, like stop motion tran- transition, Emotep yeah. turn back into a mummy. Yeah, the layering. Well, we just see the skull over his face, and then we just hear a crumbling of bones on the ground. The crumbling of bones on the ground. Yes. It's a sound everybody knows. Yeah. Anyway, that's the mummy. Yeah. Also, I'm kind of shocked at how abruptly it ends. Like, yeah. literally, they're, like, right in the middle of this musical swell, and it just cuts. Yeah. And it says the end. I thought something was wrong with my DVD at first. <laughs> really? Yes, it was so abrupt, it startled me. Wow. Huh. Yeah, and that's maybe a good point to talk about my, maybe my biggest problem with this, is that they don't use... And I know it's because, probably because, filmmaking is, what, 20 years old, maybe? Yeah, pretty fresh. And with sound, it's even shorter. So they don't really use music that effectively in this. There are moments where people are moving around and there's no sound at all. And, like, like the scene in the museum where the guard comes around and there's Imhotep, or Ben, not Ben. ben. I always call him Ben. <laughs> I'm Ardeth. Ben. Yeah, Ardeth. I'm it. Ardith Ben. Ben. Ardith Ben. Ardith Ben. Same names. Ardith Bay is on the ground looking at the squirrel doing something. And it's like, it's based, it feels to me like someone walked in on someone reading the newspaper. He's like, oh, you can't be in here. He's like, oh, sorry, I'll get out of here. Like, there should be music. Like, something big just happened. Like, he got caught. 
But no, he just walks away. The guard follows him. He dies off screen. Yeah, he gets whomped off screen. Yeah, whomped. Yeah. Does he get whomped? It's, it's like a sound effect of a whomping. It's a sound effect of a whomping, but I think the next scene where they tell him that he died. Yeah, the doctor's like, I could find no cause of death. Yeah, it was something weird. Yeah. I think he probably made him have a heart attack. That's like his, his MO in this movie. He tried to do it to the younger son, too, when he because they lock her in the room so he can't get to him. Yeah. Or she can't get out and go to him, so they put the... Like a the, charm or something? ...of Isis on the door, and then he makes him have like a half heart attack. So I guess when you have a heart attack, you immediately get up and walk to the closest door and swipe at it. Heck yeah. Anyways. He didn't die, though. No, he kept him alive, which is... I don't know why. Seems like Ardith. Did he keep him alive? I thought when he grabbed the charm off the door, it stopped the the curse. I guess he was just using him to get the the charm off the door, so she could come to him. Probably. He doesn't care anymore about anyone else. No. Yeah. So that's that movie. Yeah. I like it. I love it. In fact, there are moments that I absolutely love, but it's not enough to have me overlook the parts, the stuff that doesn't work. Like I said, I told you this earlier, if Karloff wasn't in this, I feel like we would not be remembering it like we are. Yeah, that's very fair. Yeah. Because when people think of the mummy, they think of him in that first 20 seconds. Yeah. First scene of that movie yeah. is is how people remember it. And then that's it. The yeah. rest of the movie, like if they just had that and none of the rest of the movie, people would still be remembering that iconic shot. Sure. It's interesting. Um, now here we are, 85 years later, two technical remakes later, and I don't think either one has captured, um, quite captured that vibe of that movie. I don't think that that vibe of that movie would work in the way that, in the same lens sure, as horror, or it would make a much better romantic movie. Yeah, almost like how they did Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. How Coppola did it. Very romantic and yeah. not in terms of love, but in terms of the style. Sure. Yeah. And I think, I think as we kind of mentioned at the top of this, that this new 2017 version is the closest you can come to the tone. Yeah. Now, with that said, they really didn't carry over any of the story for this one. Almost none of it. Almost none of it. And that's where the 1999 one shines, in that it, it captures none of the tone, in my opinion. But it's very faithful to the original story. Yeah. Where the, like the big difference, besides all the action and the lighthearted, com- not lighthearted, but the comedy, almost slapstick to a point, uh, the other thing is the way they reveal things. Like... In the 32 Mummy, you get that middle of the movie, here's what happened, why I am who I am. That is put at the beginning of the movie, and the beginning of the 32 Mummy where, oh, here's this box that cursed people, here's the the mummy, and this is scratched off, meaning that he can't get into the afterlife. That's strewn about throughout the rest of the movie. So In the when, 99 version yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. So when they're looking, so they go exploring, and they find, like, it's the Americans and the British people searching for this tomb almost competitively. And, well, I guess British. But yeah, they. <laughs> it's three people. Yeah. And they find the box, and then the other one find the mummy, and they're revealing these things in, I'd say, maybe 
half hour, 45 minutes in. Yeah, for sure. So it's interesting how the, what they changed. Like our friend Ardeth Ben. Ardeth Ben, yeah. yeah. He's a completely different character. Right. But the character of Imhotep is it still is the, the same. And, and the ba- some, most of the backstory eh, is similar. Yeah. No, absolutely. They just make it a little more scandalous. Sure. But, yeah. And I, but, I mean, I, I thought you pointed out something interesting earlier, too, is that in the 32 mummy, the focus is on the mummy. Mm-hmm. That's, right. that's our main character. That's who we're following. And in both the 1999 and this year's, um, the focus is, is on the people who are dealing with the mummy. The focus is on, you know, um, the discovery of it. Yeah. Which is and not really the, the focus. Cur- and how the curse affects them. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting shift in perspective. I mean, to a degree, the 32 Mummy has... I mean, uh, yeah, you've got her... the Wemples that you're like... You're, I don't know if you're supposed to be rooting for them, but... Well, even uh, Helen? Yeah. She's she's a main focus. She's just not that interesting. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of interesting things there, but that's not really dwelt upon. Sure. Dwelt upon? Yeah. Um, I have not seen... We can talk a little bit about the 99 one. I, I haven't seen it. I, I watched it a few weeks ago, but it's right. not too fresh in my mind. You just watched yeah, it. Yeah, I just finished... Actually, yeah, this week. Yeah. So, I mean, did anything strike you as, um, like, damn, they really did did justice to the original with I this? think so. Absolutely. I think they took, they took it and made it very uh, accessible. They took something because the 32 one is so small in scale, which that's almost surprising. It's like a cast of maybe seven people. Sure. Where this one is much bigger, which I think is more appropriate for the mummy because you're dealing with, you know, all of Egypt and pharaohs and all that wealth and everything. And the 99 shows all of that and it's huge over the top. And it still feels like a B movie, which is what all of the sequels to the original Mummy fell into. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think one thing that's interesting is, um, you know, I we grew up with the 99 Mummy. I mean, that came out when we were young, mm-hmm. younger. And um, I never even really put that as a remake of the Karloff Mummy in my mind. Mm-hmm. It always just seemed like another Mummy movie, you know? Yeah, it was, I don't even think it was really until people started talking about this new one coming out that I really realized that, oh, man, that was supposed to be a, a remake? I think a lot of that happens because the 99 one spawned... Its own franchise. Three, four... Well, if you count all the... Scorpion King movies. Yeah, we're up to, like, what, seven? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... That's almost more than the original Mummy. It is, yeah. There's only, what, four or five of the five original ones? Yeah, if you count Evan and Castell. Well... Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I just never, I never associated Brendan Fraser's Mummy with Boris Karloff's Mummy. Well, that's because the tone is so different too. Yeah, like if you look at the Wolfman, those tones are very similar. Mm -hmm. This one is not. Yeah, it's wildly different. Um, Which I love. I love the '99 one. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it for very different reasons than I enjoy, you know, the other movies, other remakes. I, I still have a hard time comparing it in my mind. That's fair. And I think with the with the new one, the 2017, um, they retained some of that 
scale that you were talking about mm-hmm. of how it's it's affecting more than a group of five people. There's more than two set right. pieces. Yeah, and I think they retained some of the action and excitement of the 99 one, but I think what they did better is they were able to take a step back and and really focus in on the tone and the atmosphere that they were trying to set. Um, the, the thing that struck me most watch, just watching this in the theater just an hour ago was just the, the color palette even. When you think about the, if you even just vision in your mind the 1999 mummy, it's just oranges and, and reds and it's, you know, very bright sands and pyramids. Yeah. And this movie was just dark and foggy and ominous feeling. Everything was, you know, black and blue. And it just, it, it immediately, like, gave me that sense that the Wolfman that, gave that me. That gothic feeling. Yeah, right, of like, oh man, they really they really paid attention to what made those old Universal movies, um, the atmosphere of those movies, what made them eerie, what made them creepy. Almost like a Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah, and I think even, even with retaining some of that action and, you know, explosions and shooting guns, mm-hmm. they still they still were true to the tone. Yeah. Which I really appreciated. Yeah, and I think especially with these horror movies, the color palette is extremely important. Oh because yeah. Because if they would have changed that slightly it would have felt, you know, like a crazy action adventure movie. Like yeah. an Indiana Jones movie. For sure. And that's uh, we said earlier, that's kinda how I feel about the Brendan Fraser movie. I mean, if you put Harrison Ford in there, it'd be, you know, Indiana Jones and the Curse of the Mummy. Yeah, which might be a good movie. <laughs> Could be, yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else about the 99 one you want to jump into, or we could start talking about? Well, I just, well, I think that one of the most important things about it and how that carries over to the 2017 is the the humor in it. Mm. Which there is, a, I mean, there's so much humor. It's and it's almost like perfectly timed slapstick, which is great. In '99, you're talking about. Yeah, but the 2017 doesn't have that as much. It keeps some of the humor, but like I was saying earlier, it's the humor in the 2017 one feels more like akin to the horror from the '30s and '40s. Sure, I could see that. Yeah, where it's there to lighten the tension. As opposed to 99, where it's just everything's up in the air. They're throwing everything out, including the kitchen sink. And yeah. it's great. It works for it. Yeah. But it's not, It's interesting that the mummy can be put into essentially these three different types of movies and work. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They, they literally are three completely different takes on the idea of a mummy as mm-hmm. a monster. And I don't know if you can do that with the other ones. I mean, people, there there have certainly been different adap- different like toned adaptations yeah, of but, Dracula or Frankenstein, oh, but Dracula doesn't work. No, because they're always always terrible. Yeah, and there's always Dracula. There's always romance involved because mm-hmm. it has to be suave and yeah, etc. I mean, I think the Mummy always has a romantic backstory, almost always, right? But that's not, you know, that's not like. He's still this uh, yeah. ancient monster. Yeah, the 32 one romance drove that one, whereas 99 it was a little bit of romance, yeah. but also some revenge. This one, she just wants to, the new mummy wants to be evil. Yeah, it's, I really, really liked the backstory of yeah. this new mummy. Um, I thought 
it felt to me like the most proper motivation um, we've gotten out of a mummy so far. Yeah, I would agree, because who cares about the other ones? I mean, maybe in the 99 one, he's trying to bring her back because he loves her, but also he wants to destroy, I guess. I don't know. But no, this one definitely, which we'll talk about. Yeah. I mean, you want to start talking about it now? Yeah. All right. So, Mummy 2017, Mm -hmm. the launch of Universal's new dark universe that they've been... Uh, that they won't shut up about. They've been talking about it for a long time now. Yeah. It was supposed to start with Dracula Untold. Movie didn't do well. They panicked and bailed. Got rid of it. And uh, fingers crossed they stick with it this time. I think they will because it's they put so much more into it. It's almost like they put these things in there so in case it didn't do well, which it's not doing, they right. can't go back on it. Because it they rebranded it as way. the Dark Universe. <laughs> yeah. We get the opening title with the classic Universal, not classic, like the RKO ones, but you get the Universal logo, and then it shifts to the Dark Universe logo, and then even in the opening like credits that are, you know, over scenes happening, it's they list it as whatever side company is with it and Dark Universe. Yeah, that's Universal, true. That's true. Which I like that a lot. Yeah, I I do get that sense that they're like trying to do as much as possible to discourage them from bailing. You know, they've already announced casting for Frankenstein. They've announced casting for Invisible Man. Yeah. Um, and they've even put out the, like, pr- uh, promotional photos oh, of yeah. that stuff. Yeah, they're, they they're have like, a whole website dedicated to this, yeah. which if you haven't checked out, you should, because they've got a great video Ooh, paying homage video. To, the, uh, yeah. to the original stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was worried at first because once they announced the Dark Universe branding, they also announced they were going to be re-releasing all the films on Blu-ray with the Dark Universe branding. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, ah, man, they're just using this as a merchandising opportunity. Yeah, let's hope not. Which so. is, I'm still okay with if they release all the movies on Blu-ray in a proper release. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're working on it. they got a few out now, I don't think, don't they? Yeah, because originally these ones were only out on DVD in the... Like the mummies released with all of the mummy movies, right? As opposed to any other previous release of on Blu-ray, you just have one pack with like the six big ones, right? Of Dracula, yeah, Batman. one one from each franchise. Yeah. The movie. Um, this movie, I think, as we mentioned, has seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which, in my opinion, is a crime. And um, I, I hate to be the, the conspiracy theorist, but I feel like it's. Um, intentional that people are they have it in their heads that they were gonna shit on this movie and that's what they're doing yeah but whereas people were saying that about marvel and dc they were blaming the website and the people who own the website yeah i'm not blaming rotten tomatoes i'm blaming these these critics that they probably have pressure to to dislike this movie they're all jumping on the bandwagon yep it's, I mean, you can you just Google The Mummy, and the, the whole first page will be people saying this is the worst Tom Cruise movie ever made, it's the worst horror movie ever made, it's the worst Universal movie ever made. It's none of those you things. You even said you saw one that said it was the worst movie ever made. Yeah, the, I just, I don't get it. It's nice knowing, though, on IMDb, it's got 6 out of 10, so that's a little bit better. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Alex Kurtzman, who is the ringleader i guess of the whole dark universe he's kind of um overseeing the development of the rest of the of the franchise did he help write this one 
I don't know. That this movie had um, a gang of writers. I want to say there was like six writers on this movie. Yeah, I wonder how long this one's been in production. Yeah. It seems like it would be one that was. Well, do you remember like a couple of years ago they were supposed to start this dark universe with Creature from the Black Lagoon? That was supposed to be the first one. That was, I think, in early talks of it happening. Mm. I wonder why they chose not to go with the creature. Yeah, that's I don't it, know. Because that's like the only one that hasn't been remade in some form. If you count the Invisible Man being remade with Hollow Man, which I don't think so. I think but. a lot of people do count know. that. I always see people referencing uh, Kevin Bacon. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Mummy, 2017. Mm-hmm. Opens with... Um, it's modern day, and I think this is the only one that's modern day because the 1999 one takes place also in the 30s, 40s. Well, I think that the... Right. 32 one is modern day. <laughs> is it? Place in 30, which, real quick, interesting about that, I was watching this little short thing, retrospective, about all the Mummy movies, and they say that each one progresses a timeline, and the last one, which came out like probably the 40s, maybe 50s, everything looks like it's in the 30s, but by logic, it should be taking place in 1990. Oh, geez, really? Yeah. Wow. But anyways. Yeah, that's Yeah, this one is in present day. Yeah. Um, so it opens with what seems like uh, has nothing to do with anything. It opens with a cru- with crusaders, and a crusader gets buried with a gem. Um, and then years later, a tunnel, one of those big tunnel digging machines, discovers this giant tomb of, mm-hmm. of dead crusaders. Um, yeah, they're building a train. A yeah. subway for London. Yeah. Because this takes place in London mostly. Yeah, mostly in London. Very very little of the movie takes place in Egypt. Yeah. Um, so then Russell Crowe shows up, and he is our... He's basically going to be the leader uh, to lead us through the Dark Universe. Yeah. From what I understand, he's the Nick Fury of yeah, he's, this. Yeah, he's S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. He has this secret organization called Prodigium that protects the world against evil, and... Um, he shows up at the Crusader's tomb to give us this opening narration about the backstory. He's yeah. basically acting as the exposition here. Yeah. Um, so he tells us about, in this movie, you have Princess Amenet. She is set to lead Egypt. Her father is the pharaoh. And then, all of a sudden, her father has another son. Mm-hmm. So she will no longer inherit the throne. So she goes crazy, she mad. And uh, kills her father, kills the baby, probably kills probably, yeah, the some mother. People. Yeah, she just can't wait to be king. Yeah. <laughs> she sells her soul to Set, who I think they say is the god of death, right? Yeah, because they can't use Isis anymore. Yeah. Set comes to life in probably, I mean, truly like a horrifying effect. That's one thing I thought that this movie did very well was... Like, some truly uh, startling effects. Yeah. I mean, there's some tropes in there, like, they turn around and there's a monster. But sure. still. Yeah. It's I mean, appropriate. Yeah. I felt like, you know, the 32 Mummy obviously isn't scary in any way. No. The 99 one, you know, has scares, but action-adventure scares. Yeah. You know, thrills more than anything. And I think... You know, I, I read them saying that they, this movie wasn't going to be, you know... It's not a straight horror movie, but I, th- there were some jump scares in here. They that's, were intentionally trying to make you jump. That's what they've said about the entire 
new dark universe thing. That it's not going to be horror. It's going to be action. It's action yeah. horror. Yeah. Yeah. Which there were a lot of things throughout this whole process of announcing the dark universe stuff that made my heart sink and this was one of them announcing that it wasn't going to be horror yeah but then they released the pictures and what russell crowe as dr hyde is going to be doing throughout all of it and that made me a little bit happier so yeah and it worked yeah um so in what's probably the most important thing to the rest of the plot of this movie the set this god of death gives princess Amanet a dagger with a gem in it and she's to use this dagger to stab some kill somebody and transfer Set's body Set's soul into a human body mm-hmm. so that's basically what the plot of the rest of this movie is going to be yeah it's a catalyst yeah so she's trying to repay Set I guess and, and transfer his soul into a human body so that they both can rule before she can do this She's captured by the priests and mummified, and that's the backstory. Yeah, it's right as she's about to plunge the dagger into the guy, her sacrifice, she gets taken. Yep. Which I guess is important, according to Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so present day now, we have two soldiers, Nick and Vale, who are Tom Cruise and Jake Johnston. Yeah. So good. Yeah, they were great together. Yeah. They spend the first ten minutes of the movie just screaming at each other. And this might just be me, but I don't like Tom Cruise in most anything I've ever seen him in. But I loved him in this, and it's weird seeing him have uh, have fun. No, have chemistry oh. with someone. <laughs> like have lighthearted chemistry. That's not like a romantic lead or something. Yeah. Usually, it's like here's Tom Cruise ushering people around some action. Sure. Yeah, yeah. he was. Um, they work great together. Yeah, and one thing that I was genuinely caught off guard about is that he's like... He's not playing Tom Cruise? No, he's kind of... He's like the dummy the dummy in this movie. Yeah, he's the slightly smarter Brendan Fraser. Yeah, like everybody else knows what's going on. He doesn't care yeah. at all. And there were several points in the movie where I was like just having flashes of Bruce Campbell in Army of Darkness where he's just... You know, he's just done with the whole thing. He just wants no part of it yeah. anymore. Well, they keep classifying him as a thief throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So, but he doesn't see himself as a thief. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just really... Collector of antiquities. Oh, boy. He's been saying that for like an hour. I've said it twice now. <laughs> Two times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so now we get a, a bunch of action because there has to be action in this movie. There's... Uh, you know they're they're fighting insurgents in Cairo, and uh, they have a drone strike in um, Iraq. Is it? Yeah, it's Mesopotamia. Oh, Mesopotamia, which of is course. current day because they make a a little joke. Yeah. Anyway, they uh, the bomb hits and then unveils this tomb underground. Yeah. So, the only other main character that we meet is Jenny who is, I don't know, she looks familiar to me. But she was in Annabelle. She was in Annabelle. She played, her name, real name is also Annabelle. <laughs> so she played, which is another movie that people hate, but we actually like. Yeah, Annabelle's great. I will argue with anybody who doesn't like Annabelle. And I have on Reddit, much to my downvoted chagrin. I've argued in real time with people. Anyway, 
Jenny arrives, and she is like an archaeologist of some kind. It's also interesting here that they don't give us any, like, everybody, almost, with the exclusion of Russell Crowe and Tom Cruise, come in with a history with each other that we don't get to see how they first met or something. Yeah, which I like. Yeah, They I don't like spend a lot. a lot of time on it. It's We're jumping in, and that's how it should feel. Yeah. Um, so Jenny kind of take takes control of the scene. Her, Nick, and Vale go down into the tomb, mm-hmm. and... Uh, they get attacked by spiders, which is hilarious. Well, first they see, because this is very important, that... It is? Yeah, that there's something just buried in mercury. Mm. And the mercury is very important because it's apparently keeping the levels of the mummy or the curse or whatever down. It uh, contains evil or something, I yeah, thought. Yeah, keeps it at bay, like a jail, they keep calling it. Keeps it at Ardith Bay. Ardith Bay, Ardith Ben. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bad line about... Um, where she says, she realizes that these chains aren't... Uh, it's not a tomb, it's a prison. Yeah, and she says the first half of the line, like, you know, these chains aren't aren't for bringing this up. And then she pauses, and in my head I'm like, please don't say they're for keeping it down. Please don't say they're for keeping it down. Mm. And then she did. Yeah, I remember that, but I was looking around what else was happening on the screen. Because <laughs> one of my, like, subtle moments that I really like in this is, well... What happens then is they say they have to get, they have to leave because there's bogeys on their way in, I think. Because he's, Nick and Vale Vale are technically in the army, I guess. Yeah, that wasn't clear to me either. I think it's, yeah, they're part of some team. But the whole army, or whatever, is is on the outside and they say, we got to get going, there's some stuff coming. And then they're trying to figure out, they're arguing, uh, what's her name? Jenny. Jenny? Hey, I was right. She's arguing about needing to stay there and get it. And then Tom Cruise just is looking around and he sees the contraption. So he just shoots a chain. Yeah. Like, he doesn't care at all. I loved that. Yeah, it was great. His whole attitude in this movie is great. Yeah. And then he realizes that was a horrible idea. Yeah. So it brings the sarcophagus. Woof. Brings the sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. (laughs) Out of the mercury. They take it, and they go. In one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. So they put it on a plane. They narrowly escape a sandstorm. This is the big scene from the trailers. If you've seen the trailers. Yeah, it was like the first footage released. Yeah, was of this plane crash. And I must say, this is a phenomenal plane crash. Yeah. The They're in, like, they shot it in, like, a zero-gravity The plane. Vomit Comet. The Vomit Comet. Um, the whole thing was phenomenal. It's, it's a pretty extended sequence, but basically crows or ravens. What are they? I think they're ravens. Black birds fly into the plane, destroy the plane, and uh, it crashes. Which it also should be mentioned, you were starting this night, cut you off, that they get attacked by spiders, but Vale mm. gets bit by a spider and then he dies on the plane. Gets possessed, basically. No, I think he's dead. Yeah, well, he is dead for sure. But then he, then he comes back, but only Tom Cruise can see him. No. Well, after well, once the plane crashes, Bruce can see him. Yeah, <laughs> he's like possessed at first because he tries yeah. he yeah. tries uh, cutting the sarcophagus out. Yeah. He's just standing there scratching at it. Yeah. Well, he has a knife. Yeah. Well, yeah, he has a knife, but he's just scratching at yeah. it with a knife, and then he stabs a couple of people. Yeah. And then Tom Cruise shoots Vale to death, but he ends up um, kind of following him around the rest of the movie as a specter, I guess. Yeah, like an American werewolf in London. 
yeah. Um, so anyway, plane crashes. Jenny gets out with the last parachute. Nick uh, is dead in the morgue, and he awakens in the morgue. Which I feel the scene was a little gratuitous of like, look how Jack Tom Cruise is still. No, he has a very ropey, weird body. Yeah, they're and just... I forgot how tiny he is. <laughs> Usually so in these true. movies, I don't notice, but when you stand next to Russell Crowe, <laughs> yeah, who he's... looks more like Orson Welles at this point. Yeah, he's a big man now. Yeah, he got fat. <laughs> and his hands replaced with little mini sausages. Yeah, he's got big hands. Those are hot dogs. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. I don't know where we are now. Yeah. They're on the plane. They crash. They movie. wake up in the morgue. Uh, we find out that uh, Jenny is working with Russell Crowe, basically, and they say you got to get him over here because they're at the bar. What's his name? Who? Uh, Tom Cruise. Nick Morton. Nick. I thought it was Jack, but that's a different movie he's in. Jack Reacher. Yeah. And then he starts seeing things and getting flashes of the mummy. The mummy. And his there's dead a, friend. There's a pretty great sequence, too, of... Um, I always, I'm now I'm forgetting her name. You got in my head with the names. Sorry. <laughs> Aminette. This is what this podcast is. <laughs> Princess Aminette awakens after the plane crash, mm-hmm. and she's this really cool... Um, I mean, it's CGI, but I'm assuming it's CGI. She's like... Um, Probably a mix. Just this, like you know, skeleton monster who's crawling around. Um, and one by one, these rescue workers find her and she just starts sucking the life out of them yeah. to rejuvenate herself. And in the process, she's turning all of these people into like zombie minions. Um, yeah, like drained. Yeah. Very similar to 99. Yeah. This this movie at times felt more like a zombie movie than a mummy mm. movie. Yeah. There was long sequences of, of Tom Cruise fighting zombies. She does have an army of the dead. True. Um, so she's slowly gaining her um, her appearance back, and she lures Tom Cruise and Jenny yeah. to this church where she's trying to um, do the do the thing and stab him with the, with the dagger, but she realizes the gem is gone. Yeah. Because the crusader from the beginning has it, if you which I feel like that scene right there is a perfect way to describe this whole movie, because it's got that that the atmosphere, it's got the darkness, uh, the the humor in there. There's some real unexpected bits of comedy in there. Yeah, Tom Cruise was cracking me up in this movie. Yeah. I mean, even everybody gets in on it. Yeah. Like because Jenny walks in on it, and they're all looking at her, and it's just just going. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it follows up with a good action scene yeah in that scene tom cruise punches through a zombie's <laughs> head and gets his hands stuck in the zombie's head it was great yeah. good stuff anyway um right as Aminette is about to do them in um in this incredible um like foggy forest set which honestly reminded me a lot of classic universal set pieces. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure that snow coincides. Yeah, I'm sure it was homage to that. But right as she's about to do him in, um, Russell Crowe's Prodigium team shows up and they they capture her. They finally get her. Um, so back at Prodigium, we meet, I think we finally formally meet Dr. Jekyll. He's yeah, formally introduced. We, we hear him say like his name's Henry or something, but yeah. they make kind of a big thing of Dr. Henry Jekyll. Yeah, and then it, he kind of casually at first uh, injects himself with this serum 
you know, he's, he's starting to get a little weird, and then he injects yeah, himself. I'd say it's casual, but yeah. I mean, the first time it kind of is. They don't make any mention of it at all. He's just no. kind of loading up this Yeah, syringe. I guess you just see the reaction of Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, and he, he reveals his plan to um, go ahead and complete the ritual, and once Set takes over Tom Cruise's body, then they'll just kill Tom Cruise. Yeah. But I like... I mean, this whole scene, I know you weren't huge on Dr. Jekyll in this movie, but I love that we get to see, you know, basically the the home office of this organization with all bunch of things like the Ezekiel man's hand in a jar and a whole bunch of stuff everywhere. I'm sure you freeze frame a lot of that. It'd be cool. Yeah, there's but like then, a vampire skull too. Yeah, and Dr. Jekyll's office is just the big round room with a desk and a big... Uh, operation table, operating yeah. table, yeah. operation table, where he gets. <laughs> it's obviously that that's where they chain him down if they need to, mm. and there's security everywhere. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um. So, kind of two things are happening simultaneously. One I care for, and one I don't care for. And the one is, um, he doesn't get his serum in time, and mm-hmm. so he transforms into. Uh, Mr. Hyde. He doesn't get it because Tom Cruise takes it away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I knew Jekyll was going to be in this movie. I didn't expect them to to utilize Hyde yet. I thought that they would just tease the fact that Russell Crowe is playing this character and then give you the payoff later down the line. Yeah. So I was a little turned off by the fact that they went full Mr. Hyde uh, in this movie right out of the gate. I didn't want monster crossover yet. Like, it felt too much like um, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something, like, right out of the gate. Yeah. I just, like, I was hoping they would save that. With that said, they did it very tastefully. They didn't have Russell Crowe transforming into this, like, giant monster. Yeah, you don't see, like, close-up of his hands busting and stuff like that. He just kind of got... um, like a little more grizzled and a little more aggressive his looking. His posture changed pretty yeah. much. His voice changed. Yeah, he got cockney, which was great. Yeah. And he almost became like a little yellowish orange. Yeah, something with his eyes happened for yeah. sure as well. Um, but while this is happening, so Dr. Hyde and Nick or Tom Cruise are fighting in the office. While this is happening, um, Aminette, who is chained up in the Prodigium headquarters and being um, injected with mercury, so as to like solidify her body, I think was the intention. Mm-hmm. She um, like commands a spider out of the ground and has it burrow into the like brain of one of the workers. Which yeah. is a cool sequence. Yeah. So this guy like his eyes roll back in his head and like under mm-hmm. her control he um, sabotages basically the base at Prodigium and and she gets free. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Which was very yeah. Yeah. The whole sequence was cool. Um, and this leads to the climax of the film. Which, to say one more thing about that scene, how you said there's one scene you like and one you don't. Obviously, the Jekyll is the one you don't like, but I think that scene's necessary because it locks them away from being able to go into where she is and fight with that. For sure. I mean, it gives them a reason to be distracted, and it gives her a reason to And be it able reveals to break something up. about a character that, from our understanding, is going to be huge throughout this whole series. Yeah, but I completely see your point of it would have been nice to give us little hints here and there and then expose it in some big thing, which there might be a Dr. Jekyll. Like a standalone Dr. movie? Dr. Hyde. 
Mr. Dr. Dr. Hyde. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be Dr. Jekyll turning into Mr. Hyde and going to get his doctor. Yeah, it's just him in, in, in law school. Have you seen Back to School with Randy Dangerfield? It's going to be like that. I'd watch that. Great. Um, cool. So <laughs> we're almost there. Yeah. Uh, Aminet, now free, um, summons the dead crusaders and creates this massive sandstorm through London, which I actually was thrilled with because in the trailer, it seemed like she was just, um, you know, creating a sandstorm in London. It seemed kind of over the top, but in reality, she's shattering every piece of glass in London. Yeah. And like turning it into a sandstorm. Yeah. Like everything, like like eyeglasses, cups, windows. She breaks everything into the sand. And this, I think we benefited for seeing this in the theaters because the sound was unbelievable. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. It was the only sequence in the movie that felt like a superhero movie, you know, just like... um, mass destruction there was another point in the movie that i felt the superhero vibe but we'll get it was the very end of the movie okay yeah so that happens um nick and jenny escape this glass sandstorm into the subway tunnels down below and um uh i can never say her name without thinking about it before i say it amanette captures jenny and drowns her in an extended water sequence. This is the worst scene in the movie. Yeah. This is a scene that could have cut this movie down to under two hours. Yeah, it was a very very long sequence of Tom Cruise swimming. Which, it's also unbelievable because you need to breathe for three seconds and be okay for five minutes under the water. Yeah, he's uh, he's under there for a while. Yeah. Um, so, Amanette drowns Jenny. Nick um, gets the dagger from her mm-hmm. with the gem and everything. Go ahead. I'd like to say point out something here that they say you need the the special dagger. Oh yeah. And then there's like at the base of it there's a hollow point that the gem goes into. And you need both of these together, nothing else, no other combination to have this ritual ha- ritual happen. But then there, she's escaping from what's the name of the the prodigium, 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 yeah. And you see that they're preparing the knife, so they're going to use it to kill Tom Cruise, as Russell Crowe was saying. But the gem is still buried with, or it's still with Russell Crowe's team and with the Crusaders, right? And Tom Cruise, because apparently he has special vision of where everything is, which makes sense because she's controlling his mind, more or less. But they're like, I know where the gem is. We need to go. We can go stop this and destroy it. And immediately I thought, why not destroy the knife instead? Because it's right there. Just break it up. Yeah, they had the dagger the whole time. Yeah, and if you feel compelled to, which you probably should for, you know, safety reasons, go go destroy the gem too. Yeah, but they do just kind of leave the the dagger with her and then go and and get the gem. Even if... They write into the script somehow that you have to destroy the gem, not the dagger. Take the dagger with you. Yeah. She gets it one way or another. Yeah. Um, so Nick ends up stabbing himself with it. Yeah. Before she can. and Because gets, he will become a living god. Yeah. So he gets possessed by Set, the god of death. 
Oh, um, and Jenny's dead. Yeah, Jenny's dead. I said she drowned. Well, people drown in movies and they're not yeah. completely... No, she's dead, dead. Um, so he is, like, struggling for control between retaining himself and having Set take over. This is shown with his eyes he splitting gets two in two. pupils? Not pupils, just the whole... The whole thing. Whatever. I'm not a doctor, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know either. The whole color eye. The whole... The iris. <laughs> is it an iris? The whole thing. Anyway, uh, so he uh, uses... He, like, becomes set for a moment and uses that power to suck the life out of Aminette. Yeah. And turns her back into just a dusty mummy corpse. I, think, I don't know how I to I think a mummy it. corpse is just a mummy. Oh, yeah. a dusty mummy corpse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in a last bit of of his power, he screams at Jenny until she wakes up. Yeah, like because he, which this is another issue we take with this movie, where they you see that opening sequence and then they flash to that a lot throughout the whole movie. Yeah, but they make a point of he's still inside of this monster. Right. So he's man and God. Yeah. And it, it's and actually a, a pretty Jesus horrifying guy. effect. They, like, show his face mutate into this, like, monster demon face. And it was pretty effective. Yeah, it happened so fast, I'm not even sure what I saw. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> Jenny has been resurrected. Tom Cruise is uh, sulking in a dark corner, and he says his goodbyes, and then he disappears. And this um, is the part that felt very superhero-like for me. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, when he's when they're explaining, at the end. He, yeah, like there's a voiceover of he's out there. He blah blah blah. Oh yeah. So yeah, so you got Jenny and and Jekyll are back at Prodigium and they're lowering um, Aminette's corpse back into a pool of mercury for safekeeping. And Russell Crowe is giving this uh, kind of ridiculous narration. The final line in the movie one of them, yeah. is was appalling to me. The final line, he's talking about Tom Cruise, and he says something to the effect of, perhaps only a monster can fight a it, monster. Yeah, because now Tom Cruise is essentially a monster, a mummy. Right. And he's... Well, I don't there. know if he's a, he's not a mummy. Well, whatever the mummy is. He's like a he, demon god, right? Yeah, he's a half god, evil god, half man. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's out there looking for a cure. Yeah, so then the, the little last bit is him and... He has also resurrected his buddy Vale. Yeah, which is great. It was nice to uh, see. So him and Vale just ride off into the desert. Yeah, and the yeah because Russell Crowe is a monster. And he says it takes a monster to kill a monster. That's the line that you were saying. And that's horrible. Yeah, it's a bad line. It seems like somebody would have stopped that. There's a couple <laughs> of moments like that. There's a couple like bad when, lines because she's going after Tom Cruise the whole time and she's holding him and he's stealing the dagger, but he says we're not going to work out and it's not me it's you and that yeah to the mummy he says that yeah to the mummy it's a bad line it's a bad line in any yeah, movie that's not not good just a yeah but with those few gripes I liked it a lot yeah uh, I also liked it a lot and now having seen it I'm interested to go back and reread these negative reviews and see what the hell everyone's talking about. Nobody's open-minded. That's the problem. Nobody is being open-minded about this. Yeah, I mean, that's very It true. seems like people don't want any other universe except a Marvel universe. Yeah, I think... And I, I, I mean, we kind of touched on all this stuff earlier, but 
I think the people who were gonna see this movie, right, are Tom Cruise slash action movie fans. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be disappointed. The other people that are gonna see the movie are gonna be diehard, you know, classic horror buffs, mm-hmm. and they're gonna be disappointed. They really don't throw a lot of bones to those fans, though. though no. As, unless you look deeper at, like, a more scholarly level, scholarly <laughs> level of the atmosphere, like... Sure. Yeah. Which is what I... I mean, I appreciate. Yeah, but It feels like it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's a tough place to be. You're alienating horror fans. You're alienating action fans. But when they're... You gotta... Nobody's going in just, um, you know, ready to... Yeah. Just view it throughout without one of those lenses. Yeah, they're not they're not giving those fans what they want, but they are giving them what they need. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it takes a fan to kill a fan. <laughs> please Perfect. Don't, please don't kill anybody. Um, man, I don't even know. I don't really have much of a wrap up. I feel like we did a real good job of. What about our three questions? Well, I know, but it's isn't it only two questions? Uh. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> it's Mike's first episode. <laughs> You'll have to forgive him. Well, well, yeah, the two questions, obviously, but I mean, I don't have much else to say. I think we did a pretty good job talking it's about it throughout. three very different movies and three movies that were very well done. Yeah, and they work, all three movies work on a very different level. Yeah. And you've got, um, I, I think one thing that we talked about earlier was 1999 is an action adventure movie. Mm hmm. And I think oftentimes that term action and adventure, they just they just go together. Yeah. But in the case of 2017, this this mummy, it was an action movie, but it wasn't an adventure movie. It was just an action horror. Yeah. Um, and I think that is an important distinction that I'm not sure many people no. really consider, because the '99 one it wasn't horror at all. It was an adventure movie. That's what it was. It was yeah. them going out and. And an adventure. Yeah, an adventure. Grand adventure. There was no adventure in this movie. They yeah. just dealt with the situation as it came to them. Yeah. Um, it was action. Yeah, it, it, it good, definitely good. was action, but it was a, just a good action horror movie. Yeah. Um, and I think people need to just lighten up. Yeah. And I really hope that the negative reviews of this don't um, influence the way Universal decides to proceed. Yeah. Because I think... they don't screw it up. Yeah. I like, think their knee-jerk reaction is probably going to be to backpedal and say, well, let's, you know, make changes, but... There are definitely things they can make stronger. But sure. But I think... I mean, it's the first... That's true for It's the anything. first installment. Yeah. Sure. I think if they just keep going at the pace that they've set, the movies will naturally get better and... And I... I mean, yeah. I think it'll be great. I'm very excited for what... What is next? It's either Bride. I think it's Bride. Is it Bride? I'm almost positive it's Bride. Oh, that's going to be a hard one. But they haven't cast the Bride yet. I think they got Javier Bardem as yeah. Frankenstein's monster. I know that Angelina Jolie is in talks, that they really want her as Bride. I, I hope they don't choose her. I hope so, too, because she's box fan. office poison. I know. She's a terrible actress. Yeah, although Johnny Depp's been box office poison lately, he too. He has been. He's been, like... But I do think he'd make a good Invisible Man. Yeah. I think he's got it he in He could play the mad part very well. Yeah, for sure. So I think he'll be okay. And I mean, that's mostly what the Invisible Man is, is just a slow delve into insanity. And he'd be very good at that. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's look at our questions. The question is, when looking at the questions, are we going to consider all three or just the new one and the original? Well, let's well, play it by <laughs> ear. Great. Um, right now. <laughs> 
First question, does the remake stand up to the original? I'm going to answer all, for all three. Okay, go for it. I think all three movies are pretty good. And then actually, the range that I go, I think that the original is my least favorite of all three. But So I think that the other two stand up to the original. They pay homage to either with 99 where it's direct homage or it's this one where it's more of a tonal thing of the 17. I agree as well. I, I, I have nothing to add to that. I think they absolutely stand up to the original. Oh, so you'd put the mommy 32 at the bottom? I wouldn't. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. Uh, Although it, that's almost unfair. It's, to it is unfair. So, you, you can't you can't put the 32 and 99. No. It's like it's apples and oranges. It depends on what mood you're in and what kind of movie or style you want to watch. Absolutely. 100%. So I retract my previous statement. <laughs> Great. All right, final question. Uh, should it have been remade at all? I'll leave this one to you go first. You will? Well, I usually answer first. Why don't you answer first? Oh, God, the pressure. It's too much for me to bear. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it should have been remade. It's 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 a classic story. I mean, it's not, it's not the kind of story that, um, you know, can be done once and done well and you don't want to touch it again. Uh, I think in this podcast we've looked at a few of those mm-hmm. um, where, you know, once it's done, you're like, hey, that was great. I don't ever need to see that story again. But in this case, it's such it's more of just a broad idea yeah. that um, it absolutely deserves to be to be given repeat treatment. I part of me disagrees mm. because like with because the 99 one exists that was enough of a remake with but with the 17 i don't think it should be remade unless they're doing it this way with we're resurrecting all of the characters to intertwine right if they were just like we're just gonna make another random mummy movie no then you would make a sequel. you saw what happened in what was that 2010 8 with what with the third 99 brendan fraser mummy oh yeah, yeah. the secret of grant's tomb or something <laughs> They go and open up and Curly's Al gold. Capone's too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. That was a bad movie. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think that um, the intention of the rebooted universe um, gives this some merit. Yeah. Whereas if it was a standalone, I, no, I would... No, Yeah, you could judge it more harshly. Yeah, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to what's next. Me too. Well, you have anything else to add? Mm-hmm. All right, great. We're going to wrap it up then. Um, We're going to go ahead and dedicate this episode to Bill Fromling. Yes. Thanks for listening, Bill. Um, Hopefully you made it this far. (laughs) This has been The Remake Mistake, brought to you by WolfbaneBlooms.com. Be sure to check out Wolfbane Blooms for some great quizzes, reviews, lists, features, all sorts of good horror content. Um, You can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else that you find your podcasts. And don't forget it. Don't forget to give us a good rating, five-star rating. Yeah, and subscribe. Yeah, Uh, You should try to do about one of these a month. Um, And hopefully we'll have some additional podcast content in the future. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I forgot the first rule of remakes, Jill. Don't fuck with the original.